0: Um, I've told you loads of stories about mooning, and um, and today I'm going to tell you a, a more serious story because I don't want to I don't want to leave on the week and all you think um, all you can think about is that I've got stories about mooning. Um, but actually, before I became a, a mooning champion, before my moonie career really took off, um, there were stories that went back uh, way before then in my life, and um, I guess like we. I explained a story on, in the Big Top the other day which would take ages for me to explain but I want to kind of share that story to you and then, and then read a parable with you and then I'm going to invite you to respond, um, I'm going to tell you right at the beginning, I'm going to invite you to respond to Jesus, to make Jesus uh, Lord, to make Jesus the King, when we were talking about the, the Kingdom of God, when we were reading these parables, Jesus telling them so we understand what it's like where Jesus is King, we understand what it's like where Jesus has authority. and. Um, and, and our story, I'm going to tell you kind of the end, and then I'm going to tell you where it started. I told you that we live in Cape Town. I'm 35 years old now, right? I know I look younger, but I'm 35, okay? I'm getting old now, all right? And, uh, and I'm going to tell you kind of a story of the last few years, and then I'm going to, I'm going to take you right forward, uh, right back, sorry, to where that began for me, to where that story kind of began. And... Um, I haven't got much time to do it, so I'm not going to dwell there. I preached uh, at a venue. There were 6,000 people there. That's like the big top, okay? So I was in a venue like the big top, and a few years previous to to, to being at that venue, my wife and I had been to Cape Town for the first time, and, uh, and we, we saw a world that was very different to one that we were used to, and God broke our heart for some of our friends who were, who were trapped in poverty. They were trapped in injustice, and um and. and there was a plot of land that was shown to me and we dreamt with our friends of building an education centre on a plot of land in the middle of a township. In, in the area where I work, only 30% of the young people would finish school. Most of the young people that I work with finish school at 13 years old. There is gang violence, there are huge amounts of problems and people are trapped in, uh, in unimaginable situations and, um, and it really broke my heart. Uh, I then got the opportunity to go and preach somewhere. But just before that, months before that, I'd been praying to God. I said, God, would you show me the rich person who's going to provide the money to build this education center? It would have cost 40,000 pounds. God, show me the rich person who's going to provide for it. And God said one word to me, or one sentence to me. He said, your bank account first. Your bank account first. And in that single prayer, God almost Jesus just so, so graciously spoke into my life and said, which kingdom are you a part of? Where have you put your trust and your faith? Because if I'm honest with you, if you could read my heart at that time, what was on my heart was, God, I just want to live a safe life. I love being a Christian. I love the fact that you've saved me. But I just want to be safe. And safety for me was living in a house. I just wanted a three bedroom house, I wanted to be safe with my kids, let my kids live a safe life, that I could live a safe life, and we could go and do a nice Christian thing and, 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 uh, and be good Christians, but just be safe. That was what I was praying for, and what God asked me to do was something that would make me very unsafe. He asked me to give all of my money away, everything that we'd saved for the last seven years towards the deposit on that house, he asked me to give away. Fast forward to the moment I get to stand on the stage. I'm beginning to preach and I feel like God's telling me, uh, speak to them about the poor. Speak to them about your heart that that you've got to see this education center built. Tell them that you're going to give all your money away because they need to know that you've got integrity. And one lady came forward and she put a 20 pound note on the stage. That's a strange thing to happen while you're preaching. She put a 20 pound note at my feet. Then, person after person kept coming and coming. And I'm preaching over the top of them, and they're bringing money, and they're putting money and notes after notes after notes on the stage. And I left that stage. That day, we were given £30,400 on a stage. We were later on given £5,000 by one individual. By lunchtime of that day, we had £35,400. I said, God, what on earth are you doing? God, what is happening? That week, we went on to raise 55,000 pounds. Over the course of that year, we probably saw around a quarter of a million pounds given to our project. We've now got 40 staff. We work with 160 young people every day on that township. But that's kind of what I do now and the end of that story. I want to tell you two specific moments where that story started. The first one I want to take you right away back over here was when I was 11 years old. When I was 11 years old, I went to a, a group in my church, went to like a home group. It was probably something similar to what you do, went to my youth group, and, and, and somebody explained the gospel. Somebody explained that Jesus had died for the things that I had done wrong. To make a way that I could enjoy an eternity with him, I had to accept that Jesus was Lord. That Jesus was God, and I had to I had to accept and decide, actually make a decision to say I want to be part of His kingdom. I want to live where He is in control of my life. I want to live where He is in charge of my life. And at eleven years old, I remember it so clearly. I used to live in Ilford in East London. I went home. I had a bunk bed, uh, and and I remember kneeling by the side of my bunk bed. I got onto my knees because I thought that was what you should do before before you came God before you came before God. And I kneeled down and I kneeled next to my pillow. I put my head face onto my pillow and I say, God, if you're real and what was said to me tonight is true, I want to follow Jesus. I want to live in a world where Jesus is Lord, where Jesus is King. I want to give my life over to Jesus. I want to take you to another event when I was 19 years old. By the time I was 19 years old, I was, I was doing really, really well. I lived in a, in, in a poor area in, in East London, and, uh, and a lot of my mates were earning a lot of money and, and doing well, and they came from wealthy families, and, uh, and I aspired to be rich. I thought to myself, the way out of most of my problems is if I could just be rich. So I got a job, and I got a job working for, in an investment bank. I uh, worked for a bank called UBS. It's 100 Liverpool Street. It's a massive bank, and, uh, and they de- I was 19 years old. I'm 35 now, and they decided to pay me £150 a day. That was a lot of money. It was a lot of money when I was out. The first pay packet I got, I walked home with a massive TV. And I bought my mum a brand new TV. I took it out. presented my mum with this gift. I was probably at that time earning about as much as my dad Straight away when I was 19. And I would go out partying with these guys. We would spend money. We would spend hundreds of pounds on bottles of champagne in London. We would buy the nicest clothes. We would have what's called Patrick Cox shoes, which were popular then. No one's probably heard of them now. We'd have Ben Sherman shirts. We'd go and buy whatever we wanted and and, and spend out on on what we wanted. But there was a growing unhappiness in my heart. I sat across the table from people who had earned money after money after money. More money than you could imagine and they didn't look happy. And I was earning more money than I could ever imagine and I wasn't happy. And one day I was coming home from a nightclub and I walked past my local church that I'd always been a part of and I realized they were having a prayer meeting at three o'clock in the morning. I went into a prayer meeting. Now if you go into a prayer meeting at three o'clock in the morning, you don't expect to find that many people. I found three people and one of them had bought a mattress and was asleep at the back of the church. Who brings a mattress to a prayer meeting? That is kind of like a statement of intent right there, right? If you rock up to the prayer meeting with your mattress. And there were two ladies that were there, and they've known me since I was a little boy, and one of the ladies, Angela. I sat in my mum's seat. My mum's got a seat in church still now to this day. No one will sit in my mum's seat, all right? So I sat down in my mum's seat. I don't know why I sat there, just familiarity, I suppose. And I said, God, I do not know what I'm doing. I've been chasing everything I thought that would make me happy, and none of it has made me happy. None of it has made me happy, Lord. I've been chasing it, and none of it has made me happy. What am I to do? And one lady came up to me, and she said, Steve, I believe this verse for you. John 15 verse 4, if you remain united to me, says God, I'll remain united to you, and you will bear much fruit said, here's the problem, you've gotta make a decision whether you're gonna to stick to your decision to follow Jesus or not. And that night, I recommitted my life to following Jesus. I recommitted my life, I said, God, I want to live where Jesus is Lord. I want to know that Jesus is in charge of my life, that I'm following him and only him. And because I set those decisions in place in my life when I was 11 and when I was 19, I recommitted to the decision I'd made when I was 11. Because I set those decisions in place, when God challenged me later in my 30s to say, is your bank account on the table? I knew there was only one answer. Because I'd already made my decision when I was 11 and when I was 19. I'd already made my mind that I was following Jesus. I had made up my mind that I wouldn't settle for anything less than giving my all to the call of following Christ. The parable that I want to read to you today is the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's another inheritance story, interestingly, like yesterday. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against covetedness, covetedness, which is when you're jealous for somebody else's possessions, when you desire what somebody else has. Be on guard against that, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your life does not consist of the amount of things that you can buy or the amount of things you can gather around you or the amount of uh, nice stuff that you can have and safe stuff that you can have to make you look good and make you feel good. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, or your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, and they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, Why are you so anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory, one of the richest men in history, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith... Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags, and do not that do not grow old. With a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I just want to ask you where your heart is this morning. I could never have made that decision to give away all of the money in my bank account if I hadn't have made a decision earlier down the line that said, I'm all in for the kingdom of Jesus. I've given my heart to following Jesus. I've given my heart in a response to following Jesus who gave his life for me. I would never have made that decision. It wouldn't have made any sense. It wouldn't have made any sense at all. It didn't make any sense to any of my friends that did not know Jesus. But I tell you what, if I'd never made that decision back then, I would never have seen that miracle take place. I would have never had the privilege of seeing the things that God has done in my life because I reasoned in my mind to look at the end of the story and decide where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be. Francis Chan preached a great sermon last night. Loads of us have been speaking about it this morning. And he gave an illustration. Uh, I saw it on YouTube, just found it so helpful. He said this, imagine this piece of rope. Imagine this. And this small white piece here, this small piece of gaffer tape is your time here on earth. And this rope is the eternity that you've got in heaven. Now tell me again why I'm so obsessed with this small part of time. Why I'm so worried what people think. Why I'm so concerned about money. Why I'm so concerned about possessions? Why I'm so concerned about who I may, what I may, job I may do, or where I may end up. Don't live your whole life worrying just about this. Go to the end of the story and work your way backwards. Ask yourself, what could this be like? And don't miss out on it. I'm so glad I made a decision when I was 11 years old to follow Jesus. I'm so looking forward to eternity with him. As exciting as it has been to go on that journey in South Africa, it's only a dim reflection of the excitement that this time with Jesus is going to be. But I made an important decision when I was 11 years old. Right back here, a speck in time that changed absolutely everything. I changed the position of where my heart was. I said, God, I don't want to be Lord over my own life. I don't want to run my own show. I don't think I've got it all together. The throne that we were described last night was so awesome. And the scriptures tell us that when we are in Christ, when we follow Jesus, when we've accepted that Jesus is Lord, we can approach that throne with confidence. We can approach that throne with confidence because of what Jesus and I'm so glad when I was 11 years old, I bowed down next to my bed. I humbled myself and said, Lord, I just want my life to be about following Jesus. I'm so glad when I was 19 years old, someone challenged me to go back to that decision and reaffirm it and recommit it. I'm so glad because there's nothing greater you could do with your life than decide to follow Jesus. Then decide to come before him and say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. I believe you died for me. And I want to live my life in such a way that I know that you are king of the kingdom that I want to be part of. We have to make a decision whether we want to spend eternity with him or without him. And I made a decision that said, I want to spend my eternity with you, Jesus. I don't want to turn my own way. I don't want to make my own uh, decision. I don't want to live as though I'm the captain of my own ship. So much of the world says that we can just do what we want to do, make the decisions that we want to make. I turned away from that. I said, no, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to live in your kingdom. And yes, everybody's excited about the end of the journey and excited about what we're doing in South Africa and excited about what's going on, but it actually started when I was 11 years old. When I was the same age or not that different age from some of you guys that are sitting in here right now. You're 11 years old. That's why you're waving at me, right? Stand up for me. 11 years old. No offense, mate, but it doesn't look very old now I'm 35. But if I could stand as a 35-year-old and speak to the 11-year-old me, and the 11-year-old you, and the 11-year-old you. Now all the 11-year-olds are standing up. If I could speak over all of you 11-year-olds, I'd say the same thing that the lady said to me in church. Unite yourself to Jesus, and he will never, ever, ever leave you. And when you come before the throne, you can come with confidence, because you know you're part of that kingdom. And I'd say to you, don't make the same mistakes I did when I was 19, which was thinking that I could chase money or status or fame or try to impress my mates. Chase Jesus with everything you've got because he's so worth it. His kingdom is so great. It will make you look totally different from your mates. But when you get to 35, your mates will come to you and say, I don't know how you keep doing this. Your life looks different and something's going on. You need to talk to me about it. Go out and live your life so they look so different that people will question what kingdom you're a part of. Don't ever look back. Always walk in the kingdom of light. Don't ever go back to the darkness. There's nothing there for you. There's nothing there for you. I don't have anything else to tell you. I really don't. The only thing I can encourage you to do is go right against everything the world says and commit your lives to following Jesus and decide that he's king of the kingdom that you want to be part of. Decide to give yourselves to him. The book of Romans tells us, how then can you know if you're saved? If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you've confessed it with your mouth. Do you believe deep down in your heart that Jesus is God? Jesus is Lord. And he was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you do, have you spoken it out and confessed it with your mouth? Because that's what it means to become part of this kingdom. And I urge you, I urge you, we're taking nothing that's around us with us. Jesus goes on to say to them, we don't know the time or the hour when he will return. We don't know when our day will be up. Have you made a decision Have you made a decision for your life to be part of this kingdom? All the 11-year-olds in the room are standing. I've got no idea if they're standing because they want to commit themselves to following Jesus and being part of this kingdom. But you do. And I see you. And so do you. so do you. You don't have to just be 11, by the way, to commit your life to Christ. If you're sitting here and you're 12, you're 13, you're 14, jump to your feet. If this is your statement, I'm in. I want to be part of the kingdom. I can see you as well. Jump to your feet. I can see you right at the back. That boy at the back in the blue, I saw you. I saw all of you pop there. Okay. Come on. Come on. If this is you, your decision times right now. We don't really need music, do we? There was no. I love the worship, don't get me wrong, guys. But sometimes when we do the worship, it becomes about emotion. This is just about raw decision. I'm in. Okay. Okay. Any more? I love the fact that you've told her to stand. But you're going to need to stand for yourself if you want to stand. All right. No, no, there's no need for you to shout at other people to stand. This is a decision only you can make. And on the day you stand before Jesus, your friends aren't going to be standing next to you. It's only going to be you. And you'll be able to approach with confidence. Because you will remember the day, same as I remember the 11-year-old me kneeling next to my bed, giving my life to be part of the kingdom, you'll remember the day when you stood and you said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my all to Jesus. Jesus. Is there anybody else who wants to stand and make that declaration today? This is your moment. I can see you. You just made a great decision. You, you know, young man, what's your name? Josh. Josh, Jesus would say that when you stood up and made that brave decision to declare that you're an 11-year-old who wants to follow him, there was something in you of, of just raw passion. And if you, if you look at someone older like me and you think, yeah, that guy's passionate for Jesus, and you want that passion, Jesus would say to you, just just ask for it. Just ask me for it. I only got passionate like this because I got close to Jesus. I believe God's gonna do something special in your life when you just get close to Jesus. Father, I thank you for every heart that's standing this morning. I thank you for everyone that was bold enough, even before there's a response, to say, Hey, I'm in. I am in. And God, I pray as we spend time with them now, unpacking the gospel and praying together that hearts would be changed, transformed, and stirred. And I pray that these 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds in the room would go on to do great things for your kingdom, would go on to forego riches, would go on to forego um, money, would go on to forego fame, and chase after the things of the kingdom. I pray, God, they'd be just terriers and warriors in your kingdom that would do amazing and great things far beyond what I could ask or imagine. And I thank you that on the day when we're called before the throne, they will approach it with confidence. In Jesus' name, amen.